morning and we're glad that you're here with us. That song that we just sang is one that has interested me in the last couple of years. Whenever I was growing up, we always, always, always used that song before the Lord's Supper. And when you really look at it, it's not that much of a Lord's Supper song because when we focus on the Lord's Supper, we're focusing on the death of Christ. And it, the song really goes into more detail than that about the resurrection and, and how he was seen by others. And we haven't seen him. But I think that song is more appropriate outside of the Lord's Supper. And uh, for that reason, I appreciate it. But uh, it's a beautiful song about faith is what it is. And even though we didn't see Jesus, um, we know that he did come to this earth. We do know that he died on the cross. And we do know that he was resurrected and because of that we know that we have victory and that goes very well along with our lesson I have decided that we need to do more lessons on fundamentals sometimes than what we do and so we've done a couple of lessons on faith um, a few months ago but I want us to um, actually go back and discuss the entirety of the plan of salvation week by week and of course I'll miss next week but uh, whenever I'm back the fourth Sunday, then I plan to pick right up with uh, the rest of the plan of salvation. And we'll go through each of the things that is important to us becoming Christians and why they're important. I know that I have seen people in the past, I've seen some that have been baptized and couldn't tell me really why they were baptized. They couldn't tell me why they were a Christian. They just thought that that was what they were supposed to do. And I find that interesting. And I think it's probably more commonplace than what I realize that there are a lot of people who have become Christians, so to speak, that don't really know why they became a Christian. Or they really don't know how. It's something that they, they don't really know how to explain to somebody who's not a Christian. And one of the first things that we as Christians should be able to do is to tell people what we did in order to be saved by the blood of Christ. A lot of people don't know. And so as we go back to the basics of our Christianity, I hope today that we can understand a little more so than, than maybe what we, we have, why we are a Christian and how we became a Christian so that we can tell other people Christianity begins with faith. We understand that. And I think most everyone that has any kind of uh, knowledge of God believes that He exists. There are a lot of people that teach things other than what the Scripture teaches about how to become a Christian. But I think we all agree that faith is important. Faith is uh, one of the foundational stones that, that builds what we have become in Christ. Some things about Christianity seem very simple to understand. Very easy to understand. But I want to suggest to you that there are a lot of people that don't really understand. Even as simple as faith sounds. You may think you understand it, but you may not. 
I know that a few years ago I was walking on the greenway and I don't know if somebody had dropped this on purpose or by accident but there was a tract that was laying on the ground and I picked it up and, and uh, I, I was about ready to take a break anyway and I sat down on a bench and I just took a look at this tract. The title of the tract was God's Simple Plan of Salvation. And I thought, you know, well, yeah, it is very simple. I agree with that. And I opened it up and I found it very interesting how everything was laid out because uh, for each thing that they taught about what you needed to do to be saved, there was scripture involved. And they weren't in the exact order that we usually put them when we give the steps to the plan of salvation, but, but most all the steps were there. Uh, we had faith. And there was a scripture that involved faith. And repentance was in there. Confession. And all of those had a scripture with them. And the scriptures were in red, so you could easily find them. At the very end of the tract, instead of including baptism, it's had a sinner's prayer listed and I found it very interesting that there were no red words when you came to that section of the tract. Because even though the plan of salvation is very simple there are a lot of people that still misunderstand it when they read the scriptures. Baptism is one of the things that we within the churches of Christ teach very heavily for a very good reason it's there. It, it, the Bible tells us that we are not saved outside of baptism. And yet, there were, there were no scriptures involving baptism. And, and what they had in the tract had no scripture involved in it either. Because you won't find a sinner's prayer in the Bible. So many people think they understand what they do need to do to be saved. But I'm suggesting that that maybe we don't understand enough what we need to do to be saved. And sometimes we need to be reminded from time to time about why we are Christians and how we became Christian. It's good to have that knowledge. It's good to have that remembrance in our own minds and hearts. So today's sermon will focus on the beginnings of salvation without faith one cannot be saved by the blood of Christ faith is something that we have to have in order to be Christians but what is faith you know how would we define what faith is when we look at uh, a dictionary, a world of dictionary is, is what I'm thinking of. Something that, that is just a standard Merriam-Webster type dictionary. When we look at in a dictionary for the word faith, we'll find something similar to this. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Secondarily, and probably the meaning that we're looking more for than anything, is strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Some people hold the idea that faith is basically 
doing what we're not sure of and hoping for the best result. We talk about a leap of faith. Taking a leap of faith. I just made a bad example. But if I were to leap off the stage, I have faith I'm going to land on my feet. That's the kind of thing that, that we're talking about. And, and anything that we do, we're taking a leap of faith. And we're simply hoping for the best result. But are these definitions describing the same faith that we find in the Bible? When I look at these definitions, and especially the second one that I gave you, I don't think we're talking about the same faith. When we look at the way that the world views faith, I don't think that we're talking about the same type of faith in Christianity. Let's look at how faith is defined in the Bible. The single best answer that I could find, Brother Kirk, I appreciate you reading from the New King James Version because that's what I usually use in the pulpit and I think it, it helps us from time to time to better understand what we're reading. But notice what is said here in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. If you haven't committed verse 1 to memory, I would encourage you to do so. Hebrews 11 verse 1 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. When we look at this definition, when we look at what we read here in verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews 11, we see that faith is made up of hope. Anything that we hope for, faith is involved. It is the evidence where none is provided. Now, when we take that first verse and look at that secondary definition, one of the, the ways that this is worded here, faith is based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. But let me tell you that as Christians, we have proof. We have an assurance that what we believe is true. Because faith is the evidence for the things that we cannot see. When we cannot see God, faith is our evidence that proves to us that He exists. So to say that a Christian really has no proof that God exists, I think otherwise. I think we do have that proof that proof is in our faith. Without faith, we do not believe those things. But by faith, we can believe that they are true. By faith, the elders have obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the things we can see were made by Him who we cannot see. When we go out and, and just look around, 
Look at the trees that have grown. Look at the grass. Uh, look at anything of nature. And I think all of us understand that those things were not made by man. You know, we have a sod farm behind us. And they can, can seemingly, you know, create grass. And they put these things out and, and grass will continue to grow. But basically what they're doing is taking what God has already given us in nature and multiplying it. That's all that man can really do. Even in the last few years, there was a great big deal, I remember, as I was younger, about cloning and things of that. And basically, all it is is taking what God has already created and forming something like it. That's all man can do. Even as smart and intelligent as we may be, that's all we can do. When we look around us in nature, we understand that those things were created not by man, not by the abilities of anyone that we know, but by the abilities of Almighty God. Faith helps us to understand how those things were formed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. It's difficult, I can imagine, for someone who cannot see because they cannot walk by sight. They have to have faith in the person leading them or faith in their, their cane or whatever they may have. But we as Christians do the same thing. We just don't know it. See, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Faith is also defined by the examples of those possessing it. And we'll look at that a little, little bit more as we go. But especially as you read Hebrews chapter 11 and you get into those last few verses, the, the 37 verses that follow the first three that we just read, they're all about examples of faith. They're all about people who were faithful to God. And faith is defined by their example as well. Noah, Abraham, Moses, and so many others have all taught us what faith is all about. And I found it interesting that that the first time the word faith is actually used in the actual scriptures, in the English Bible, mainly looking at the King James and the New King James versions, it is used to describe those without faith. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30 says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation. Children in whom is no faith. We certainly don't want to be described this way. We as Christians have faith. And we understand its importance. But where does faith come from? You know, we have to ask that question, where does it come from? Well, the Bible tells us. Faith comes through teaching, first of all. Turn with me to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 14. And reading through verse 17. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul and Barnabas were once mistaken for gods. And, and in all of this, Paul preached a sermon, a short sermon, about the true God. He told them about the true God. Acts 14, and beginning with verse 14. Acts 14, 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea and all things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness and that he did good gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. By faith we believe this to be of God. Unfortunately, the people still did not understand who God was. And they sought to worship Paul and Barnabas, thinking they themselves were some of the gods that they were worshiping as idols. Upon coming to Athens... Paul, seeing the idolatry of the city, said this in Acts 17, beginning with verse 22. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, or in the midst of Mars Hill, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might, they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. Basically, he gives us reason to look for him and to find him. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. And here we're talking about worldly people that have said this, for we are also His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, 
We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed the day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. He has given assurance that all of these things are true by raising Christ from the dead. Because Christ is resurrected, we can believe all of these things to be true of God. Where do we find these things? We find them in Scripture. Faith begins with teaching. And even if you're not taught by someone, you can read the Scriptures and plainly understand that God exists, that God created the world. God has given us His Word to pattern our lives after. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Need proof that God exists? Faith is it. And even in the Old Testament, Moses was given the law to give to the people. Exodus 21 and verse 1 says, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. God has given His people a way to know of Him. A way to know about Him. A way to believe in Him. A way to seek Him and to find Him. It is our duty as Christians to share His Word with the lost among us. And if we fail in our mission, many souls will be in darkness and punishment following judgment. Though faith is not walking by sight, seeing is believing. You may think I'm contradicting myself. I'm not. But we can see God. That's what David had to say in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Notice also what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse 18. Romans 1 verse 18 speaking of God's wrath against the ungodly he said for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. And notice in particularly what is said in verse 20. For since the creation of the world His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Let me repeat that. For since the creation of the world, 
His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We are without excuse. If we are lost at the end of this life, we don't have an excuse because the attributes of God are clearly seen in nature and in everything around us. One of the things that we find out about faith also is that true faith, true faith leads to obedience. Now, there are many people that teach that faith, just simple faith, will save you. And faith will save us. Just believing in God will save us if it leads us to obey Him. As we mentioned earlier, faith is part, partly defined by the obedience of those possessing it. Faith alone cannot save an individual. Notice what is said in James chapter 2. Beginning with verse 14, James 2 and verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? And just a couple of weeks ago, we had some, someone here that was in desperate need. And we tried our best to provide for them, to give them something that they could use. But if we were to have just sent them on their way and, and to say, well, you know, be warmed and filled, would we have been fulfilling our Christian duty? No. But notice what it says in verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you by my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that, without, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Now, there are many examples in Scripture of the obedience of followers of God based on their faith. Let's look first of all at Noah. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says, By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Going back to the book of Genesis and looking at a few verses here, Genesis 6, beginning with verse 9, says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. 
So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And he gave, went on to give him several instructions on how to build the ark. And we conclude the chapter in verse 22. Thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so he did. If he had not built the ark, would he and his family have been saved? Look at Abraham, Hebrews 11, verses 8 and 9. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Going back to James 2 and picking up with verse 21, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified? By works, when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, and not by faith alone. A man is not saved by his work. But he is not saved without works either. He is not saved by works of merit. But he is saved through works of obedience. Of all the examples of faith given in Hebrews 11, all wait with us for the fulfillment of the promises made to them. Hebrews 11, verse 39. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, these are great examples of faith in God. Because even as we read about them today, we realize that they have not seen the end of their faith even now. And we, like them, cannot see the end of our faith as of now. But we still believe and trust God to fulfill the promises that He has given. Has He failed us yet? Not to my knowledge. Faith is believing and trusting in God. Without faith, one cannot be saved. We understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by teaching. God can also be seen in His creation and our understanding that the things created must belong to Him. Even our very life. Even our very life is the handiwork of God. Faith, however, requires something more. Requires obedience. With those that are listed in what we refer to often as the hall of faith be included if they had not done what God told them to do? Absolutely not. 
Just as their faith is shown in their obedience, so our faith is shown in our obedience to the will of God. The will of God is that we, first of all, confess our faith. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 verses 10 through 13. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 22, says, Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We need to repent. Acts 3, verse 18, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Repent therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that He may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. We are to be baptized. Romans 6, beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We realize that we are baptized for the remission of sins according to Acts 2.38. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. We are also required to live a faithful life. Now, the church of Smyrna was given some great words of encouragement. They were the persecuted church, if you'll remember. In Roman, or Revelation chapter 2, in verse 10, Revelation 2 and verse 10, they were told this. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. As we look at what God has told us to do, we are told by faith, by faith we believe, that we are to confess that faith, that we are to repent of our sins, change our lives. We are to be baptized for the remission of our sins. There's no other way to salvation. And even then, does that make you a Christian? We understand we must live faithfully. We must be faithful until death to the things that God has told us to do. Faith is important, but faith alone will not save you. 
I don't believe that any of us here believe that when it's taught. I, I think we all believe that there's something that we must do. But maybe it is you haven't done those things. Maybe you've not become obedient to God's plan of salvation. Maybe you've become a Christian, but maybe you've not lived a faithful life. Maybe you didn't understand why you became a Christian. Maybe it's something that you need to change in your life. Become a true child of God. If you're not a Christian, or if you're a wayward Christian, if there's something that we can do to help you, as we always do, we give you the opportunity to come as we stand, as we